1: What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Adam Force. Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast show where we are redefining good business. We have a really special guest today, and it's actually a returning guest. He was the cover story of the first ever edition of Change Creator Magazine, and his name is Jake Orak. So if you haven't heard his story, it's an incredible one. Go find that podcast. It's on our website. It's on SoundCloud. Check out the first magazine, it's in the app and read his story, listen to his story. Really great stuff. Um, And so now it's been two years and we're circling back with Jake to see what has been going on over there, uh, what kind of challenges he's faced and overcome. I know they made some big uh, pivots in their business model and things like that. So it's going to be a really exciting conversation. So hang tight. In just a few minutes, we're going to get started there. Um, If you guys have not uh, signed up for the app, we have, just so you know, we have made an adjustment. This is now unlimited access. You get an all access pass. So the way it is working now is for just $3.99 a month, you don't just get the regular magazine model where you get the new editions and you have to pay more for the past editions. Everything in the app, we have over 20 releases in there with over 50 experts is all accessible. It's unlimited open access access. So when you subscribe, you have full reign to review anything on your own time. And everything, of of course, is on all devices. So check that out. You can swing by our website. We have a monthly and a annual option. Uh, The annual just gives you more savings and and all that good stuff. So guys, check it out. Um, The latest release is with Sarah Cause. I mean, she has built a $100 million business combating plastic bottles. So if you haven't heard of Swell, check out this story. We interview her and we get her strategy. How did she build this water bottle company into a $100 million company? So You know, this is the kind of stuff that is really impressive. It's mission-focused, and she's making waves in the space. It's not like selling a water bottle is something new. So what is so different about this? So you're going to find out in issue 17 with uh, Sarah Cause, And that is the addition, too. You're going to find a feature story with Jake Warack based on this interview. So get more details, get more insights, and swing through there and check that out, guys. Um, Lots of exciting stuff coming up down the pipeline in August. You're going to hear from Jay Shetty. So if you haven't heard, he is now just blowing up the spot. He's got got billions of views on YouTube and a lot of exciting wisdom to share. So we had a great interview with Jay Shetty uh, lined up. And so we're gonna, you're going to hear a lot of good insights from him, and we're going to have a killer cover story coming this August, so keep your eyes peeled. Um, and remember, we are doing monthly releases now, guys, monthly and some additional stuff in between. Um, you know, The more we move forward, the more frequently we hope to be doing these releases. All right, guys, without further ado, we're going to jump into this conversation and see what's been going on with Jake Orak at Ethnotech.
0: I know you're going to dig this.
1: Hey, Jake, thanks for coming back to the Change Creator Podcast show. How are you doing today?
0: Good, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Well, we had a good chat the first time. So it's been a while. It's been almost, what, two years now, I think, about that. Yeah, too long, um, man. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure lots have been going on. And, uh, you know, we've stayed in touch over the time. And um, I'm excited to hear, you know, some of the progress, the ups, the downs, and all that good stuff. Um, So where are you right now?
0: Uh, yeah, we're in a good way right now. We're on the other side of basically um, a pivot uh, going kind of away from a B2B focused business to solely e-commerce. Yeah. And so um, my background is retail distribution, so designed for those channels. So this was a complete l- new learning experience for us. And it was uh, needed and decided on for many reasons, uh, but it took... Way longer than expected to implement, but since it's been implemented, uh, the business has been going much better, and you know it's it's helping us reconnect with the why of our business and storytelling and digital marketing more. And so it was definitely the right move. It just took a long time uh, to make it happen. But uh, this year is off to an awesome start for us. Um, last year we definitely went through some growing pains, in addition to um, changing kind of the business model around a bit uh particularly having to do with cash flow you know if you you can be in business six years and still like you know the unexpected can happen yeah. so that was a an interesting experience but um got through it and learned a lot and implemented some new systems because of it.
1: Well, can we, let me just pause, Um, I'm going to pause you right there and just tap into that because I think a lot of people, I mean, you hear a lot of these success stories where it's like, oh, you know, my first year we had a million dollars in revenue. Um, And what a lot of times people don't understand is that they probably, they might've spent $2 million. (laughs) So they might've had that revenue, but you don't know how much they really put into the business. And you mentioned a pivot here and how you had to change the, the business model based on cash flow needs and stuff like that. And I think this happens all the time. You know, we've yeah. already done it ourselves. We've, we've completely flipped our business model as well in order, not that our focus is money, but if we don't have revenue streams that are successful, then we can't have any impact. We can't scale what we're doing. So it's the fuel on the fire. So what was the situation, if you don't mind sharing just a little bit about the challenge you faced? Like what, it, what kind of brought like... How do I want to say this? I guess you're running this business like, okay, here's the issue. What was it that like stood out to you? And then what did you do to change it?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, cash is king, as we all know, and uh, managing it properly is what's going to keep your business going. Um, And so uh, we kind of always knew that, but, um, you know, I was kind of outsourcing it for the most part. So I could focus on design and sales. Right. And I think, I think that was, you know, good to do in the startup, but, um, uh, you know, six years in just at the tail end of a really successful Kickstarter campaign, six figure raise, like we were in such a good position. And then the perfect storm of circumstances happened that we couldn't really have planned for. So, um, there were some shifts in the marketplace that affected, um, our distributors in japan so they had to like reduce their apparel program which affected overall buying um we had uh quite a bit of supplier payments due all at the same time and one of them was critical because if we didn't get our guy paid um there were some personal assets let's say as as collateral that we had to make sure he wouldn't lose yep um and uh just quite a few other things but in general like i think the main issue right there was that it, we weren't able to see it coming because we weren't managing our cash flow properly on a weekly, monthly basis. So we've been always doing our accounting, like I think a lot of people do. You know, you hire a CPA or a bookkeeper, um, kind of reconciling your your books daily and weekly, um, and then just kind of keeping track of the big kind of accounts payable, receivable, rather than everything all in one place. Yeah. Um, so. It, it was just many, many variables that kind of bottlenecked all into the same time frame. So, um, we got through it, um, by the hair of our chin <laughs> uh, and, and we're the wiser. So like no longer as a business owner, am I going to be irresponsible and say, Hey, well, I can outsource this Uh, most important task uh, and expect it to get done right. It's important for the business owner to know everything that's going on with the books. And, and once, once you do, and once you have a system built for it and you're not looking at things retrospectively, like most accountants do, they're looking at what happened and looking more at the past than the future. So when, when taking a proactive approach and starting to predict things uh, months out and year out, you know, this is different than like, you know, putting a pitch deck together for investors this is like the real nitty gritty of the business, you know, accounting for everything. And once, once that got put in place, it started getting, the stress went down because you can see everything in one place and you could get more creative with your decision-making and more informed with your decision making. Right. So you can say, Oh wow. So there's going to be a dip here. So we need to cut spending or at least, set up a payment plan for a fulfillment center here. Um, we need to run a, an, an email marketing campaign here. There's many things you can do to put into place to prevent something like this from happening. Yeah. Uh, but of course we didn't have that before, but now we do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what was the change then? You had the CPA that you outsourced, which seems like a logical step. Um, unless you're a real startup and you got, you know, someone in the family man- <laughs> managing your accounting for you or something. But so what was the pivot there? Did you, you just brought in, in-house is that basically what you did
0: Um, brought the cash flow management in-house so my wife Corey and I now have um, a document that has Every expense and every account receivable yep. um, in one place, and we update it weekly. And it's projected out for about an eighteen month period. Goes further than that, but you really, you know, like so much changes that you don't have to, you don't go right. too far. Um, so that just that alone, like we started with an Excel spreadsheet, and then that has been the saving grace. But now we're moving our books away from QuickBooks to Zero, and uh, starting to try an app called Futurely. Um, which, you know, when, when, when you're in this proactive accounting, uh, mode as a business owner, it gets really exciting because that's really where you should be looking and spending your time is that that informs your decisions. And so we've been doing it kind of the old school way, Hey, but now we've got these apps that we're, um, we're, uh, trying to slowly integrate to, to make things, um, a bit more streamlined. So.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And and what's futurly? I, I'll have to take a look at it, but just a quick, uh, you know, one or two sentences on what that is.
0: Yeah, it's basically it's um, it's an API gets like set up from zero to futurely. and it's, a, it's essentially a dash a dashboard you can create for your own projections. So it is your cash flow management yep. uh, document in a way, and you can set it up however you want. You can set it up with all these really cool looking charts and graphs, but it's real data from directly from your book so you can kind of uh depending on what you're wanting to see you can fine-tune the dashboard to tell you certain things yeah so it's it's a really good go-to place to just kind of help you make decisions on your own um with with real-time data
1: all right i'll have to reach out to them to make sure they pay me to release this episode
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. we're we're still these are early days but um Yeah, stuff we're looking at at least.
1: No, it's awesome. I mean, this is the kind of thing I think a lot of us go through, Um, and I love what you're saying because you know I've read books like the autobiography of Gandhi, and then you go to people like Tony Robbins. Like, it doesn't matter who I like. I look at these people as mentors, right? And whoever I hear from, the number one thing I do hear as a common denominator is you've got to know how to manage and organize your cash flow. Like, if you don't know where every dollar is going, you can't build cash flow. You You'll lose it you'll be unorganized things will happen that you don't realize you think you know what's going on but you don't and i account that for even personal finances like every month you should know exactly what your net worth is what all your expenses are so i think it's an important point that you're making to just re-emphasize the fact that especially running a business you really need to be keeping a close eye um you know on these types of things and it'll, it'll take a weight off your shoulders
0: oh absolutely and it's important to have like um a buffer amount in mind, you know, like however you want to calculate it, but usually like whatever your, your, your average monthly expenses are like, never, you know, that should be a never to go below amount in cash, liquid cash in your account. I mean, obviously more would be better, but applying rules to your own business and, you know, from a manufacturing to a service based businesses, they're, they're different. They have different dynamics, but in general, like, uh, applying buffers and, and then rules, to hold yourself accountable to is so crucial, especially when it has to do with money.
1: Accountability. Yeah, you gotta know when to hit that big red button. <laughs>
0: yep. Red alert. For man. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yep Went through that and it was it was a blessing. It was a blessing in disguise. Taught us a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Okay. Now
1: so one of the things um I love about your brand is your story, which anybody listening, the first interview we dive into Jake's story and how he came up with ethnotech bags and, and all that good stuff. Um, so Jake, now from day one. Uh, just remind me, you've always been using the engine of Shopify, right? Or did you convert over at some point?
0: Uh, sorry, what do you mean? The engine of Shopify?
1: Meaning like you're using their platform.
0: Oh, yep. Their backend. Because
1: yep. your yep. front end is super customized. Like you would never know. It's an ethnotex bag website, but you're yep. saying you're using their platform.
0: Yep. Yeah, exactly. And when did we decide to go for that? Yeah. Um, that was like right from the very beginning. So I just, at the time there were only very few, uh, e-commerce providers like Shopify, where you can just pick a template, um, upload your photos and sell stuff and then has all the, you know, kind of plugins to ship it, to do inventory management. Um, and at the, at the early stages, um, it was kind of the best option that I could find and we've just stuck with it because of its ability to scale, with our business and adapt with our business and not, not just from the kind of plugin standpoint, but also, um, you know, it, it connects to our QuickBooks and 3PL fulfillment center dynamically. All of that happens more or less automated. Um, so it's really robust. And we, um, they have a huge community of developers all over the world. Um, and we found one based on our budget Mm. and she's awesome we've been with her for almost two years now and she super fast and you know a lot of them have their own uh set you know fixed pricing and um some of them are flexible luckily we found one of them that are flexible (laughs) and uh since since we're based in bali she's based in jakarta so it's um we're on the same time zone so that's super helpful yes um, awesome. Yeah. So okay. yeah, that's
1: fine. Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of people ask about the different e-commerce platforms and whether they should go on WordPress. I'm always curious on you know how people are doing things and what's going on behind the scenes there. And I think people like to hear um, some of those ideas, so they they might feel more comfortable saying, "Well, God, you know, if these guys are loving it," and it's kind of like that. Um, it's like getting a, a personal review right here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 a lot of my friends are are telling me basically. Like um, it's really expensive, but if it saves you time, go for it. Because a lot of them are on the side of doing it custom through WordPress and uh, and and doing things, you know, completely nuts and bolts. But. Um, our time is, I think, better spent putting together briefings for our Shopify developers yeah. to execute, while we can focus on being nimble in other parts of the business.
1: I think that's a valuable point because you really have to like you only get about eighteen waking hours a day. <laughs> you're sleeping for about eight, right? So yeah, uh, exactly or sixteen hours a day. And so you know, like, how do you spend your time? And you're right, like you can't sit here and spend all your time doing. Things that'll be a time suck like that, um, dealing with all the, the the BS. So if you don't have to, great. Or you can hire someone, great. But WordPress does get more expensive too because maybe you bring on WooCommerce or something, and next thing you know, mm-hmm. you got to buy thirteen different plugins for them, and they're all renewing yeah, right. subscriptions. It's it's it gets expensive.
0: It does. It does.
1: So I think that's a good point. Um, so one of the things I love too about your brand is your, your differentiation. Um, and that, that really does come through your narrative and your story. So um, I guess over the past couple of years now, how have you been leaning into um, your differentiation and your social mission to stand out?
0: Yeah, um, great question. So uh, it, it's only been uh, getting uh better and has become more a point of leverage as time goes on. And so in the beginning it's basically what got got the attention of the marketplace being so different in a crowded industry. Um <clears throat> is what kind of essentially the orders were falling in our lap because of that differentiation. Yeah. Um but because of how the business was built, whereby the um the kind of innovation in supply chain and the social mission was an interdependent part, like a symbiotic part of the product. Like you simply can't have one piece without the other. Um, that's the point right there that was a, the number one selling point, but b the one thing that is kind of our, like our go-to in terms of having leverage to, to basically protecting that. So the social mission, anything, any sort of uh, business partnership, any investor, any sale or any, any, anything um, that goes against that mission Um, it, 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 uh, is not what our ethos is all about. And so, um, if it supports the mission, that's, that's the whole point of it. And that has allowed us to kind of, uh, change things up a bit in terms of, um, you know, if, if, you know, if we have shared values with new customers, for example, we can always lean on that. And, you know, if they value the mission the same as we do, um, not only, you know, is this kind of unique selling point going to benefit their business financially, but it separates them from their competition too. So, um, Yeah. yeah, so it's, uh, in, in the, in the early days, it was good to get people on board, but as we grew, we, we found what our boundaries were, which we weren't aware of really in the beginning. We found what kind of our limitations were on the manufacturing side, um, specifically in the artisan villages. And, uh, once we kind of hit the ceiling in those areas, it, uh, it helped us kind of go back to the drawing board and inform our customers of, you know, it's kind of essentially time to put your money where your mouth is in terms of, uh, how on board you are with this mission. Um, And we found that because of the, you know, the shared values check in the very beginning, you know, they were, and you know, when that, when that was established, uh, that put us in the driver's seat again, uh, to, to essentially say if this is going to be long-term, if this is going to be sustainable and continuing to be profitable for both of us, um, we have to do something that, uh, benefits the artisans. And that means completely changing around our, uh, (laughs) our payment terms and production cycles and lead times. And so it was like over the past two years, we've been changing that around and it has been pretty uncomfortable times and a hard sell in certain areas. Um, But what was fun to see is that uh, everyone was on board with trying something totally different, stepping outside of their comfort zone in order to share the burden equally, as opposed to pushing all the risk onto the, the manufacturer. So huh. long-winded answer. <laughs> no,
1: but I think it's good. I mean, it's really interesting. Um, and so you had to go to your, your, I guess these are like dis- the uh, distributors you were working with, right? Yeah. And so you, in order to manage what was going on with the, um, the producers, the people in Vietnam and, and other areas who are actually creating these, uh, designs, I guess you, you found out there's a certain, you had a certain ceiling, right? Like, does that mean like they can only produce so much in a, in a certain time frame?
0: Uh, kind of. Yeah. So, so what we, what we were doing early on is, um, we were, we were just following, uh, industry standards with, um, typical buying terms and gotcha. typically in the outdoor industry, which is an old school industry, yeah. but we, we weren't proven enough yet to, To dictate things. We were a little bit because, you know, they believed we did what we say we did and we work with traditional artisans all over the world. Right. And so there, there's some flexibility that's required. Um, but, uh, what we found was that, uh, so we could easily, uh, prove what we did. So take pre-orders, produce them and ship them on time with very little defects. So we did that season after season. Um, but a lot of these, uh, these industry terms are not, uh conducive to balancing things out on you know paying the, the people that make it first. So a lot of the times you know they're they're on net 60, 90, 120 terms where um, the manufacturer and the artisans don't get paid until uh, like months after the order is produced gotcha. and shipped. and that's like super unbalanced and I know that works for a lot of other businesses, but since we're a social enterprise, and uh we were not in business to have the artisans finance their own production we're there to help them with that you know the whole point of it is to help them uh preserve their craft and culture through bringing demand through our customer base and so we we knew that um though we were making uh deliveries on time it was completely straining the process and we were starting to see uh longer delays, we were starting to see quality slipping. Um, a lot of the customers were asking for assets to be delivered sooner. Um, and so I had to, I had to look at everything and, and change it up. And so I had to, uh, look at basically look two years ahead at the calendar and say, okay, well, instead of these two standard fall, winter, spring, summer seasons, we're going to need to introduce two in between seasons where, uh, the distributors are essentially required to forecast and pre-order their own artisan fabric so that we could go to a three you know a three month every three month order cycle um, and we had to change payment terms to have you know 50 percent deposit up front so that we could in turn pay 50 percent deposit to the artisans in the factory in vietnam right so those are two big components that took a couple of years to get everyone on on board with but what it did is it completely relaxed the whole Supply chain. It cut our lead time down by a, a whole month. Uh, assets were delivered earlier. Um, uh, it was better for cash flow. It was better for morale. And it, what went from like you know three to six month a, a year production cycles on the artisan side is now year round and balanced out. So uh, by just introducing kind of a new protocol and just saying, trust me, guys, (laughs) we did it. We did it the old way. We're good for it there. This is our way now. And this is the only way that it's really going to be scalable. And because if, if you're already seeing, you know, some problems, we're, we're doing it to to benefit you too, right? We want to deliver sooner. We want to deliver higher quality. Um, and we, you know, the, the same need is on the opposite side. And so, uh, once they got on board with that improved, and proved now where I think we're two or three seasons into it working fluidly, um, everyone's happy and we're, we're taking it one step further too. And we're actually connecting them with the artisans. Like we're actually making introductions and we had um, some Japanese brand ambassadors uh, meet our artisans in India. So kind of bridging the gap that way and that kind of transparent, meaningful connections in addition to sharing Uh, the burden on the business side, that's what we're all about. And we're really fortunate to have uh, business partners um, on board with that. That's cool.
1: I mean, it's nice. It's a great story to demonstrate how you really have to look at things. And just because something's an industry standard doesn't mean that it's going to be fitting. I mean, you kind of need to blaze a trail, especially in the social enterprise space. More and more innovation is required in order to do things differently. I mean, that's what it's all about. We're not here to do things the same way as usual. So this is a different process.
0: Exactly. And it's I mean, that's a selling point, right? Like that's a part of your differentiator is your mission. Um, assuming that it's, that it's like really built into the product or service where it becomes the differentiator. I think that's the key, you know, not just having the mission be kind of an afterthought or an icing on the cake kind of situation, but if it's like deeply rooted into the business model, you just can't have one without the other. And if, you know, like I said, if you find the right business partners and customers, uh, they're on board with that, they're going to be flexible. And then once you get through a few seasons or subscriptions or whatever, um, together and say, Hey, this is working, see the positive benefits. And then it becomes more of a friendship than it, than a buyer seller relationship. Yeah. Um, and the, the logistical headaches just become less important. It's more about how can we tell the story better? So, uh, yeah,
1: I love that. That's cool, man. So you, it sounds like you've had a lot of changes and a lot of um, pivots oh. that you've had to make over the past couple of years. And I have to imagine some of this, I mean there's always the unknown, like we don't know that these things are going to work out, we can always make our best calculations. And, you know, you've earned trust with your customers where they kind of leaned in and said, Okay, you've been reliable, here's this new model, we do share values, let's go for it. So I think that all kind of plays into it. But, you know, between the cash flow, and also the model adjustment, there's obviously a lot of stress there. I'm curious on, you know, how did you deal with those challenges? What made it, I guess, and maybe it was just a a very stressed time, but is there anything, how do you deal with that pressure? Yeah, that's,
0: that's, (laughs) yeah, man, that's, that's always been a challenge for me and um, it has, it has been um, trying and, you know, I've always just kind of like powered through, But, like, the, you know, seven years of accumulated startup stress has been taking its toll, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly, like, within the last year or so. Um, I have been doing some coaching. Um, I have been doing a lot of, like, kind of self-development, which has helped leaps and bounds for sure. Um, And I've been introducing play more into my life. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I know. I know it sounds silly and like, dude, you should be working. But I actually am way more effective at my job when I balance uh, play into my schedule, um, sure. whatever that may be. You know, that could be surfing, rock climbing, right. sleeping.
1: <laughs> I think it's part, of the, it's part of the success equation, man. You need a balanced mind in some sense, you know.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, so that definitely helps, and it it helps me just kind of chill out because I've always been. Um like just a kind of go 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 kind of person. It's just my personality. Yeah. Um so like so just having to chill out was a way harder <laughs> than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> um but once I did I, I started to like see things a lot clearer and I could see That I was way too close to the projects that I wasn't you know involving people the way I should and I was seeing you know all the great work that other people were doing and I was um seeing myself kind of trying to control everything too much and so when I started to chill out I started to see the power of delegation and that was important for me to realize and come to on my own and so now from that perspective it's just it's made me a better leader by, by saying, Hey man, you don't have all the answers and you also need to take care of yourself. Otherwise you're not going to be a good leader. So empower people, um, you know, get things together and, and, and just connect back with the excitement that originally, uh, got you to start the business. And so like that all kind of happened over the last year. And it's been awesome. Like, like, we've done the best work we've done ever, um, like, within the last year. And I'm super proud. And I feel super deeply connected yeah. with this mission more than I ever have. And yeah. it's 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 pretty cool to come full circle with that, you know, hit the bottom a couple times, do some self-development <laughs> on the other side. You know, like, you know, like uh, <laughs> my, my family jokes around about, like, me being the guy that always has to learn things the hard way. Um, <laughs> we all do. But – yeah yeah you know like those were good lessons and so um yeah, man, like it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's all I process. think it's
1: great, dude. I mean, listen, sometimes like the best things come after you hit rock bottom. Not like you hit rock bottom, but you know what I mean. It's like when you go through a hard mm-hmm. time, it motivates you. That pain can motivate you or crush you. But I think a lot mm-hmm. of times great things will, will be on. It's like the yin and yang. It's like when something, you get really down and dirty. It's like really stressful. You can respond and great things might happen. But it kind of pushed you into self-development. And, you know, I always talk about that with our audience, you know, taking care of the mind and the body is part of success, not just running the business. Um, But people don't always see that until they feel that pain. They're like, oh, you're right. right. I do need to meditate. I do need to figure out how to focus my attention because... Honestly, like I can sit here and work day and night. There'll be nights where it's like 8 p.m. My wife comes home, we eat dinner. I'm like, man, I just want to go up there and finish all these projects and keep working. And then I tell myself, I'm like, you know what? You have to have just like family time. You got to hang out and relax your brain, dude. Like you can't just be focused on this. exactly.
0: So that's exactly right, man.
1: Yeah. Read a book, meditate, go. Like you said, I loved like taking time to go to the beach, go hiking, go rock climbing, whatever it is. It makes a huge difference because the number of hours don't matter. It's the, it's how you spend those hours, how quality they are.
0: Yep, exactly. That's exactly right. And, and, and I think, you know, it's, um, you know, once you, once you come to that base, whatever it is, for me, it was, uh, more play and more uh, kind of big picture empowerment, whatever it is, uh, share it with, with, with everyone on your team. And that's, that's kind of what helped kind of fix our situation. And it wasn't any one person's fault or any one variable that caused our kind of uh, big learning experience. I'll call it, uh, last year. Um, and then it, it just, it helped us look at everything with under the microscope and, and benefit the entire system. Like, from the, you know, payment terms with our suppliers side, we, you know, and, and a lot of it just had to do with um, getting people back on board with me now that I was back on board. So getting the, ex- the excitement back pumped up and then, and then sharing my vision yeah. with everyone because I have always had this vision, but no one's a mind reader and you have to, sh- you have to share that sometimes <laughs> yeah. and re- reconnect with it and then kind of help everyone see like how, how important they are in that and to see their position in that. Cause that's when it gets really exciting because otherwise, you know, like everybody is the same, like we just work, we try our best and we work hard to get, to get things done. Right. Um, but after so, so long you get tunnel vision and you just see, well, what is this for? And so being able to reconnect on a regular basis to see who it all affects, who you're collaborating with, um, Slack and Asana has been great for us in that regard. And then yeah. just sitting down FaceTime with our suppliers, showing them a spreadsheet of the year and making just a kind of waterfall charts just to, 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 to kind of get everyone to visualize what their deadlines are in a non-pressurized way. Like it just puts a visual roadmap to it. And just, just things like that being like, hey guys, same team, Here's the plan. What's your input? Like just that seems so simple and silly, but it makes a huge difference.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And a key word that stood out there too is having systems and kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's when you have the systems in place and you can look at it from a, you know, it's like being, you know, a thousand feet above the forest versus working in the forest. And you can look at the business and work on it versus in it. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people, exactly. especially in startup world, when you don't have budgets to pay contractors every month and all these things, you end up doing a lot yourself. And it's hard because you get so sucked in and so close to everything And you have to remember to spend a majority of your time working on the business looking down at the forest, not being in it, you know?
0: Right, for sure.
1: Um, well listen it's we're right about our time here um, what, what's new what's going to be going on here I guess in the next year what are we looking to see from ethnotech um, you guys have tons of cool stuff guys we've put them in uh, change creator we've shared their products and stuff because they're great gear for any uh, entrepreneur business person or just lifestyle whatever um, super cool designs uh, what, what are we looking for to see from you guys coming down the pipeline here Jake
0: uh camera bags. We're working on a collection of yeah. camera bags. It's nice. been kind of the number one requested product from our tribe members for, for years now. And now we're finally going for it. And so uh yeah, fingers crossed. I mean that's why I'm here. I'm back in Vietnam working on development with that and, and it's looking good. So uh as of now, I don't wanna like say anything prematurely, Corey's gonna kill me. But uh our plan is to hopefully launch it. Um on Kickstarter, uh, We did our first campaign a couple of years back, I guess a couple of years now. Yeah, uh, at least. Yeah, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was very successful. We learned a lot and I think it's a good platform for us to launch a new, uh, totally new product, new sales channel. Um, and so, yeah, the plan is to put that together and when it's good and ready, launch it on crowdfunding.